Revelation uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 3. That's Revelation chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3. If found, it reads in this manner. It says that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to shew unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God. Now I'm drawing your attention to the phrase, who bear record of the word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. Blessed he is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. How many believe that the time is at hand? Amen. I believe, even if you are not much of a Bible believer, naturally speaking, you can see that the trends point towards that something is just about to happen. Because what used to be natural has become unnatural. Are we together? How you expected things to be like, they are no longer the way you expected them to be. But when you are within the Bible cycle, then you are able to contextualize the things that we are seeing in our time, and we are able to say, this is that, that was spoken by the prophets. Amen. Verse 9. It says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Isaiah 43 uh, verse 10, Amen. It reads in this manner, Isaiah 43, verse 10. Volume there. It reads in this manner, Ye are my, or let me wait till it is found. I still hear pages being flipped through. If you have found it, you can say Amen. If you have not found it, you can say, wait a minute. Amen. Is it found? Amen. Amen. Check with your neighbor if it is found. Amen. It says, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that he may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed neither shall they be after me. Hallelujah. No God before him, no God after him. He is the only reigning God. But the beauty says, ye are my witnesses. How many witnesses are in the building this morning? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this morning for your grace and mercy. We have sung in the manner that we have sung because we are witnesses. We praise you because we know who we are praising. The world may not know you, but you said, the world shall see me no more, 
but yet you shall see me because I will be with you and even in you until the end of time. And Heavenly Father, I am not ashamed of this gospel as much as Paul, Peter, and many of the saints were not ashamed. And I believe that the saints this morning are not ashamed of this gospel. And Lord, a lot of times we ask ourselves what would have become of us if we were not the believers of this gospel. We look at our fellow peers, how their lives just evaporated before their eyes because, Lord, they did not know you as a personal savior. But we have known you as a personal savior. And that is why this morning we just want to praise you. We just want to appreciate you. If there is anyone in the building that doesn't know you, may you reveal yourself to them, dear God. And Lord, if there is somebody that is sick and afflicted, I know you are the great physician. You created the cells of the body. There are even certain parts in the body that doctors don't know why they are there. For example, in appendix, doctors still consider it to be a body mystery. But in Heavenly Father, you know the purpose of every part in the body because you are the creator, you are the one that created us. And this morning we have read a portion of a scripture. We just want to commit to the reading of the way to you. And Lord, may the service belong to you. May your name be glorified. We ask everything believing in the most gracious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. Now, we are happy to see all of you this morning. Amen. We can see that winter is beginning to fade away. And then we will be ushered into the new season. I personally hate winter. Amen. I don't know. Is there anyone that loves winter? Oh, Brother Chetty. Uh, there's quite a lot of people that love winter. Um, and I'd hope it's not because of high blood pressure. <laughs> Amen. But uh, nonetheless, you see God created different seasons for different people. And I think some, it was their favorite season. Uh, my favorite season is spring. Amen. Uh, and, 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 and the reason I just favor spring, it, it's just something that it does to my outlook and my well-being. Uh, and and I, I don't want to say spring is better than winter, but in my space it is. Hallelujah. Amen. So uh, normally winter is symbolized as a period of trust. Because there isn't much happening in winter. The life moves from the leaves. It goes back into the roots. Amen. But when spring comes back, then the rose begins to blossom. It's a, it's a, it's a new beginning. Life returns back to the leaves. The leaves look greener and so forth. Amen. So those that love winter... That means you you can survive the trials. Uh, amen. Because it is symbolized as a period where trials take place. Amen. But this morning, I, I want to speak on bearing a record. Bearing a record. And the subtitle is 
a witness bearing a record subtitle is a witness because God says yeah you will be my witnesses amen that means you'll be the people that will bear record and a record for various things and I believe that one of the records that has to be bore in our time is, is whether if this book is alive or it is not alive. And I don't know how many this morning are here as witnesses that this book is alive. Amen. Do I have witnesses in the building that this book is alive? Amen. So you will be my witnesses. There's always a true witness and there is always a false witness. Hallelujah. And for one to be a witness, there are certain things that must be, that must be done. But before I get to there, there was a young boy that once was troubled after he had read about God in the Bible and he, he had a yearning in his heart to see God. And it troubled him for quite some time that everybody speaks about God, but this young man, noble as he was, he had never seen God. And it troubled him that is it just a theory or an idea or a philosophy? Is this God real or not real? Are we together? And honest as he can be, he one day approached his mom and said, Mom, I'd really like to see God. And mom said, listen, uh, and the young man said, can anybody see God? And mom said, listen, no one can see God. I don't think I'm in a better position to answer you, but let us just go and check with the Sunday school teacher. Maybe the Sunday school teacher will have a better answer than what I would give you. As sure as it is, the young man approached the Sunday school teacher and said, Sunday school teacher, I want to see God. Can anybody see God? And the Sunday school teacher said, listen, this is beyond our curriculum. I think you need to go and see the pastor. And the young man went to see the pastor. And when he got into the pastor's office, he says, Pastor, you have spoken and preached so much about God and I've heard God being people singing about God in our church for quite some time. Can anybody see God? And the pastor said, listen, young man, there is no one that can see God. God cannot be seen. And the young man was still not satisfied. One day he was with his grandfather and they were on a boat fishing and the old man had, was just looking on the horizon and the young man could see that the old man was captivated by something that he could not see. And the young man asked the, the old man and said, listen, uh, old uh, grandfather, can anybody see God? The father, for quite some time, ignored the question because he looked like he was captivated in the moment. But after a while, he turned around and said, Son, 
All I've seen for the past 35 years is God. Hallelujah. He said there is so much of God on the inside that I'm able to see him more on the outside. Did you hear that? So that the answer of this old man reveals something. That means mommy spoke about God, but there was not much of God on the inside for mommy to see God on the outside. Hallelujah. The Sunday school teacher taught about God, but there was nothing on the inside to reveal God on the outside. But this grandfather said, I have seen God for the past 35 years. I see him when the sun rises. I see him during the day. I see him at sunset. And it says, when the birds are singing, I can hear God speaking to me. He says, son, God is all over the nature. His fingerprints is all over. And I believe that this man is a real eyewitness. He does not speak about somebody that he read about. Or somebody that the pastor preached about. But he can say, the God that is spoken about, I personally have experienced that God. And this morning, my desire is that everyone in the building must have a testimony and bear record that God is alive. Not because they preach about him in church, but because he is alive in my heart. Are we together? Now, before I get to the... When we speak about a, 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 a witness, before you become a witness, there are certain... Uh, requirements that one has to meet for one before one can be a witness, maybe in the court of law. Uh, before you can uh, testify, we are told that you've got to take an oath. And with this oath, you affirm that your testimony will be truthful. Hallelujah. Because if you can give a witness and it is found that it was a wrong witness or false witness, you can be charged for perjury. Hallelujah. That is why I'm here is a warning for you. If you go and testify in court, you had much better know what you are talking about because you can go as a witness and end up as a prisoner. They don't take chances there. You must, what you speak about, you must definitely have a certainty of what you are speaking about. Are we together? Because what's happening, your, 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 your testimony is going to be put under cross-examination by the public uh, prosecutor. He's going to test whether are you really, a, 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 is it a hearsay or is it something that you witness? Are we together? And I'm told that when you are in court, there is a way if, if a prosecutor asks you a question, you don't directly answer the prosecutor, you answer the judge. That's why if they ask you and say, where were you on such and such day? You turn around and say, your worship or my Lord. On such and such day, I was at such and such place. That means you don't answer the public prosecutor directly. You actually answer the judge. How many have heard that one? Are we together? Now, you may only testify about the facts that are within your knowledge. That is why you cannot use somebody's report and say, listen, I was with Brother Subusi so at the accident scene and this. No, they don't want you to quote somebody. They want you to say, I was there and this is what I saw. That makes you to be, hallelujah, an eyewitness. 
And another thing that they are looking for is that if somebody had told you about something, it is not admissible in the court of law. You cannot say, I know this because I was told by so-and-so, and as a result, I believe that it is true. It is not admissible. You must, in the court of law, what is critical is to use the first person, I, 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 not we, they, I, I, so. Are we together? I hope we are together here and you understand where I'm going. Now, and, and, and they say, you must be very clear and you must not be scared to testify about what you know. Are we together? And obviously the court of law will protect you from intimidation should it arise if you were to testify about somebody. Are we together? And I believe that on the same basis of what makes one to qualify to be an eyewitness, everyone in the building must meet the same requirements. If you say you are going to be an, an, an eyewitness for God, that means you cannot just quote somebody and say, on the basis of this person's report, then I believe that the matter is like this. It must be, it's good, that is why I say, we can read about when God opened the Red Sea. We can read about when the Hebrew children were thrown into the fire. But uh, the devil can punch holes and say, listen, what evidence have you got in relation to that? But uh, the best evidence that a believer has in 2017 is when a believer says, listen, yes, I've read about Moses, but uh, now my heart has experienced something that tells me that this is genuine. What am I talking about? I mean, we have brought people here, if I could draw from Brother Chetty's uh, testimony. If somebody say, I was a drug addict. Being a drug addict, you cannot easily be delivered from it. Even people, sometimes you take a person into a rehab, and when they're in a rehab, they even plot better to find new drugs that they were never exposed to. Are we together? But if somebody wakes up and says, listen, one morning something just happened and from that time I had no desire for that drug anymore. I can't explain how it happened, but from that moment I never became subject to my habit and as a result my life took a different turn. That is the type of eyewitness that we are looking for and that is the type of the eyewitness that the devil can never dispute. Because you can say, David, how do you explain what I was last year is not what I was this year. Something changed. What changed me? I've been to a psychologist many years, but it never worked out. I went to a psychiatrist, it never worked out. I went from counseling to counseling, it never worked out. But one day, I stuck it into a church building. And a minister of the gospel began to speak that these signs shall follow them that believe. And he made a call to say, whoever has got a burden on his shoulder, let them come here. There is a son of man that can make your burden lighter. And I made my way towards the altar and I kneeled down there and I prayed. And when I stood up there, I was never the same. How can you explain that scientifically? It can never be explained scientifically. Because why? It, now it becomes a personal experience. And even when somebody comes and says, the gospel has got no power, you say, wait a minute, my child. You don't know what you are talking about. 
You don't know who I was before the gospel came my way. No one could change me. My parents could not change me. No one, the police could not change me. But one word from the almighty God made me a different man. And that is why I'm a witness this morning that God is alive. How many witnesses do you have in the building? How many remember who they used to be before they met the gospel and something changed? And, and when we speak about this, we are not speaking about what the church says. An eyewitness can never quote somebody. It has to be you saying that. Because if you quote what the church says, it is not admissible. Are we together? I hope you are with me here. The prophet of God says here, in the message, a witness, paragraph 16, he says, just a few minutes by the clock, I want to speak on witness. He said, Jesus said here, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you shall be witnesses unto me. There was a condition. You cannot be a witness unless you are endued by power from the most high God. If you attempt to, and folks, we, we've got to admit, there, are, there, there is a difference between something that is genuine and something that is fanaticism. Right. Hallelujah. Right. Fanaticism is the stumbling block. That is why we, we, a young man came into the building and heard a pastor preach, and the pastor was preaching about divine healing. And the young man thought he had faith because there's a difference between genuine faith and intellectual conception. So he had intellectual conception. He moved out of church, met a man that was working on crutches. He said, stand, stop. He took the crutches, he broke them. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And the man couldn't walk. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And in no time, he looked at where he can get to the branches to make a plan for the men to continue walking. That is not what we are looking for. Before you break that man's crutches, did God show you? And if God did not show you, that's your own endeavor. But I can tell you, if God was to tell you this morning and say, go to where, uh, in, we call it the heroes of what, where they bury the, the veterans, hallelujah, Maybe he tells you to go to a cemetery where the presidents are buried and he says right there you can raise them from the dead. If God has showed you that, you can rest, you can have confidence that I can go there and God will do it. Do you hear me? But if it is you doing it, you are going to bring a stumbling block. I hope we are together. Now, he says, you shall be my witness. Not when you join the church. Not when you join the church, you'll be a witness. Not when you become a deacon, you'll be a witness. Not when you are ordained a minister, you shall be a witness. But when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then you will be a witness. You know why it's like that? Because it will no longer be you witnessing. It will be the Holy Ghost through you witnessing. And the Holy Ghost can never lie. And folks, if the Holy Ghost moves upon your heart to do something, 
I can rest you ashore. No matter how it may be deemed impossible, if the Holy Ghost do, say do it, you must have confidence to do it because it will be done. Yes. Are we together? And he says, a witness must be someone with an experience, must know something. In the course of our land, you can't come up and say, Miss so and so told me so and so and so and so about so and so. They will throw the case outright then. You've got to be either an eye or an ear witness. You've got to know something before you can be a witness. You've got to know something before you can witness about God. So that means if you're going to witness about divine healing, you must have experienced divine healing. And when we say experience, that is why God, because he's a specialist of the impossibility, sometimes he creates scenarios in our lives where we come into those scenarios, they are deemed impossible. God does it for a purpose so that he can get the glory, so that the doctor can shake his head and say, there is nothing more that I can do. And after the doctor shook his head, then you, you begin to kneel down and say, God, I plead my case. May you heal me. And he heals you until the doctors turn around and say, we thought it cannot be done, but something higher than our knowledge came onto the scene. How many know what I'm talking about? When God does the miraculous in your life, where you are, your body is ravaged by cancer. And we are told, no one can heal cancer. Even the doctors can never heal cancer. Because for you to heal cancer, you've got to be a creator. What happens in cancer is when a cancer is, is a, it's an unhealthy growth. Is when a, wild, a certain wild, dead wild cell begins to grow, it, not in unison with other cells. Then it, it creates a growth. So for you to heal cancer, you've got to create a new set of cells. And no doctor can create a new set of cells. But this message, the messenger was raised in the end time. And his commission was that if you can get the people to believe in you, if you can get the people to believe in you, nothing shall stand before you, even cancer. Are we together, folks? Even cancer. And this prophet went from meeting to a meeting, and cancers were dissolved in his hands. And I'm not saying the cancers used to be. Even this morning, a cancer can be dissolved. When it comes into the presence of the almighty God. Because the creator this morning is here. Do you believe that folks? Hope we are together here. So you've got to be an eyewitness. It, it must be something that you saw. So that if you can just change the spelling brother. Bearing B E. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Just so that. Oh, beautiful. It would have meant something different than the one that I was talking about. Are we together? Amen. Now, I want to pick up a Bible character here. Saul. He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
He's convinced that there is a new religion that is just creating unnecessary chaos to the religious order of the day. There, are, there is a bunch of people that speak about the Messiah. And these people are creating a confusion because they say what Moses spoke about has materialized in our time. He's upset, then he goes, he gets the orders to say, go out and kill these Christians. These are a bunch of fanatics. He's convinced he goes around with his assignment. He becomes a murderer. But he thinks that he becomes a murderer for a just cause. If he was a Muslim, they were going to say he was into jihad. He thinks he's in a holy war to protect God. Let me tell you, this God cannot be protected by a man. Hallelujah. This God protects people. People don't protect him. Now, he goes around, he kills the Christians. But one day, when he was, he had heard that the Christians were at Damascus, and they were having a revival there, and he had orders to go and close down their church. Then he, this man is on his way to Damascus. This is not, a, this is not a, a, an ignorant man. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. This is a man that is eloquent when it comes to the matters of faith. Then while he's on his way to Damascus, then a light appears before him. And when the light appeared, it almost blinded him. And a voice spoke from the light and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who are you that you say I persecute you? He says, I am Christ. Are we together? Now, the same Christ that was in the body is the same one that Paul met before he came into the body. Are we together? So Peter and John and the rest of them saw the body. But John saw him in his original state as a logos. On his way to Damascus. And he says, why thou persecutest me? He says, who are you? He said, I'm Christ. From that time, his encounter with that halo, with that logos, changed the outlook of Saul. And even changed his name. And he was directed to go to a house where they were going to teach him the matters of the faith. Now, from a man that was a persecutor, the man that was convinced, now he changed and he he converted to Christianity. And now he was the one being persecuted. Then he was now brought before a king called Agrippa. This is in Acts chapter 26. When he came before King Agrippa, his words were in this manner. He says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, then to the Gentile, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and would show light upon the people and to the Gentile. And he thus spake for himself, first said with a loud voice, 
and Paul, thou art beside thyself. You have lost your mind, Paul. Much learning does make thee mad. This is how the report of Paul appeared before Festus. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth all these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. This thing was not done in a corner. It is not a secret of what God can do. Then King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What happened today? When somebody gave, did not say, I've heard from a church. I've heard from the believers. But somebody that says, the same God that our forefathers worshipped, the same God that brought them out of Egypt, the same God became a human flesh. And the same God was crucified and buried, but he rose again. And I met that same God on my way to Damascus. And these things, King Agrippa, they were not done in a corner. This was a public show to show who God was. Until the man heard this man's testimony and said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And this morning, I'm not almost persuaded, but I'm persuaded to be a Christian based on the testimony and testimony of all the saints of God. And above that, based on my testimony. And if I say God is alive, I'm not referring to a hearsay. I've seen him in 2017 moving in my environment and I realize it cannot be any other person except the almighty God. Can I tell you that you are a miracle today? If you are a married man and living and you are honest to your wife, in 2017 you are a miracle. No man is able to do that. But through the power of the way, Men are rising and are honest to the cause. What happened? They had an encounter with the heavenly father. Are there young people in the building? Do you know what the other young people get up to? But you are different. What made you to be different? What made you to be in a school that is demon infested? And everyone goes haywire. But you keep on the middle of the road. What happened? You had an encounter with the divine father. Do I have witnesses in the building here? Are we together? And we can bring testimonies right from this church. I can preach about the book of Hebrews right from this church. Do you allow me to preach with it? What about the time when they told Brother Watt and his wife and say, listen, there's nothing that we can do. You've got to choose between the father and the mother. And the doctor said, we have never seen this case before. And the only case that we know, it happened. But they didn't want to tell them what happened. Because something has gone wrong. And they thought they will demoralize them. Hallelujah. But what happened? Then they made a prayer request and saints, get together. There is a matter at hand that doesn't need a specialist. But it needs the great physician to come upon the scene. We cannot be brought into a situation where we've got to choose between the mother and the, and the, and the, and the daughter. 
But when we prayed, we said, God, we don't choose the mother. We don't choose the daughter. We choose both of them. Because you said, whatever we bind here shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we set free here shall be set free in heaven. And today, the mother and the baby are in the building. Hallelujah. And hear me out. It's a, a, especially says this case, we have never seen it like this before. This is a miracle. God will make the doctors to testify. Are you here, folks? Amen. I hope we are together. But that's when you become an eyewitness. Brother, the word witness comes from the words in Greek called machoreu, which simply means a martyr. It's the same way that we know today, originally because what's happened when you give a witness, you must be able to risk your reputation. Hallelujah. And every time, and today, I can risk every reputation, I can put at stake every sermon that I've ever preached. I can put at stake every testimony that I ever gave. And I can say, when you believe right where you are, at this point in time, whatever may be troubling you, whatever may have been happening in your life, you can have a victory Right now, which is quarter past 11, you can have a miracle in your chair right now. I'm I'm willing to take that risk. If you can just just let go of your thoughts. If you can just doubt everything that the devil is telling you and say, for this next couple of minutes, I'm going to believe what that man is saying in the pulpit. Uh, He's willing to risk his reputation. I'm saying whatever has been troubling you, Right now at quarter past 11, you can say, I believe what he's saying, and there will be a miracle in your life. I'm not, I'm not talking a gimmick here, folks. I'm talking about something tangible that you can come and testify and say, God has done it. Are we together? Yes, brother, lucky at the, at the back. Today I want to preach about the living Bible. Comes and says, Pastor, I've been retrenched. I've done exit medic, exit, uh, not the interview, medicals. I'm done. Then he comes into the office, I say, brother, there is a God who is higher than the economy. There is a God who can create a job where there is no job. And that God is alive, and that God is right here in the office, and you and I are going to join in prayer and pray about the whole situation. And we made a prayer, and after we had done praying, he said, Pastor, I need to go to Swaziland over the weekend. And I said, oh, by all means, you can go home. On his way down there, he gets a call from the same company. And they say, brother, we want you. Where are you? We want you to come back. And when he came back, and they said, listen, we want you back in your job. But here's good news. We are not going to give you the salary that we gave you before. We're going to increase your salary. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
tell me who did that? The brother does not have a rare skill. They could have picked up somebody in the street. But you know what happened? We consulted with God and said, God, here is a situation and you can come and deal with the situation. And that is why today we are the eyewitness that God can do it in the building and you can give him praise right now. Are we together? Do you want us to go on and on? Hallelujah. Brother, but he gave his testimony and said I was blacklisted. Oh, you know why believers don't testify anymore? You can't testify about God without revealing your witness. Your weakness. You and God can never be the heroes in the same story. Never. Every time you say, believers, I've got a testimony. Your testimony is going to reveal your weakness and say, I had this problem. I had this challenge. Are we together? And the reason we don't testify is because we are afraid to reveal our vulnerability. We want to be supermen in church. But God is calling not supermen. He's calling his sons and daughters that are relying him on daily basis. I said I was blacklisted by Standard Bank, but I wanted a house. And I went there and I applied. And they rejected me, I applied. They rejected me, I applied. Until they say, you have lost your mind. He said, no, as long as I come here, you will do what I say. Because the customer is always right, even when he's lost his mind. He did it, he did it, until one day they say, we don't know what happened. But it has been approved. What approved it? He was blacklisted here, but he was not blacklisted in heaven. Heaven, he had a DNA. And this morning I want to tell you, you can be blacklisted by companies here, but he has not blacklisted you. He has written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Do you believe that this morning? Are you willing to shame the table and say, I believe that God is real? I'm bringing it home so that it must not be a theory. We are not just a group of people gathering around an old book. No, this old book, the stories thereof, we can relate. Because what he did yesterday, he did it today. And he will do it today, tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But bring with an eyewitness. The public prosecutor will question and cross-examine you. And you know what is happening? Even when the public prosecutor knows that what you are telling is the truth. But his job is to make sure you contradict yourself so that you don't become a reliable witness. Hallelujah. I can give an example. If I was to look through the window and see a man being murdered, and I see, I know, this is the guy that has murdered this guy. This is how he was wearing this is his name. And I go to court. And I come into the witness booth. I take the witness stand. 
And I say, I saw this what happened. The public prosecutor will not say, ah, no problem. Uh, this man is speaking the truth. He says he was there. No. He will come and say, did you see my client committing murder on such and such day? What time of the day was it? It was around 5 o'clock. Do you agree that 5 o'clock during winter is a little bit darker? Oh, yes, it is darker. I'm aware, Mr. Madiba, that you are wearing spectacles. When was the last time you changed your spectacles? No, for the past three years I've had these spectacles. Do you know that according to prescription, you need to renew your spectacles every two years? I'm aware of it. Why did you not renew your spectacles? No, I was broke. Okay. Now, do you agree that the reason an, op- uh, an optician will say you need to renew your spectacles after three years, two years, do you agree that he agrees that if it goes beyond two years, therefore your vision is no longer reliable? You see what's happening now? Now, he has done an investigation. Then he says, because you say you looked through the window and it was around about five o'clock in the afternoon, which was a winter day, which was a little bit darker and with your spectacles on. Can we agree that your spectacles are now irrelevant because... They were supposed to have been renewed. They were not renewed. Oh, yes, yeah. Then he says, okay, fine. Can you take your spectacles off? And they put a window that they have made up. And they switch off. They dim the light to resemble the afternoon of the winter. And a man sits there at the back. And they say, do you recognize that man because he is within the same meters that you saw my client committing murder? Who is that man? Now with my spectacles, uh, without my spectacles, I'm looking. Uh, maybe it's brother Dipari. I say, it's Brambanyan. They say, then how can we take your evidence to, to be a reliable evidence if you are failing within the same meters that you allege that you saw my client committing the murder? Your Honor, this client, this witness is not a reliable witness. Then you come out of the witness stand and you are discouraged because you have been proven that you are... are. They go and check. They can even go and check whether you lied at school, cheated at school, and they can come and bring and say, do you know that in 1994, when you were in matric, you cheated? And you say, yeah, they say, here are your transcript. Here's your teacher is going to testify against you. And it has nothing to do with what you are testifying about. <laughs> they just wanted to prove that you are not a reliable witness. Amen. Are we together? Amen. But let me tell you something. The devil has tried that with us. Yes. I came into the message. The devil said, this message is not a big deal. This message is just a new thing that is going on. I remember when I, I received the message and went to testify to my own granny. And I said, granny, there is the message that has come on the land. 
And according to the way we have been baptized, he was belonging to an apostolic church. And I said, the way, the reason, the way we have been baptized, it was a wrong baptism. The right baptism is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is not baptism. It's not the names. Those are the titles. But Peter revealed to the name. And I testified and my, ma- my granny said, listen, I've been raised in this church. My mother has been raised in this church. My grandmother has been raised in this church. You are not going to tell me about a new thing that has come. Are we together? That was in 1992. Hallelujah. Then in 2004, when she had had a stroke, surrounded by her own Pentecostal children, taken to the hospital, when she came out of the hospital, the first thing was that, get anyone that fellowships with my grandson to come and baptize me. And they went there and took her and baptized her in the bathtub. And after they baptized her, I got there and spoke to her. I remember her pulling me close to her because she couldn't speak properly because she was 88 and had a stroke. And she whispered in my ear and said, my son, remain with this gospel. This gospel is the truth. And he says, listen, when I, want to, when I enter the pearly gates, I don't want to enter like a coward. I want to enter like a daughter of Abraham. She did not know how to read the spoken word. But when I went to check in the spoken word, Brother Bram said, I don't want to enter like a coward. The same spirit that spoke through the prophet was now speaking through my grandmother. And a week after she passed off, and I'm saying, she's in heaven today. What changed her heart? What changed her heart? What changed her heart? Something happened between her and God. And she knew that what I had in 1993, in 2004, it is still the truth. I want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, this message is alive. Are we together? And we can go around the room and ask many questions. What happened? What makes you to be an eyewitness? And I believe the reason you took a bath this morning and made it to the church is not to impress the pastor or the deacons. It's because you are an eyewitness. You want to say there is something that I know that nobody knows. But I know that God is real. Do you remember the eyewitness called Job? There was a discussion around Job. And said, Job. And the devil, God said to the devil, where have you been? He said, I've been going around. Because the devil is always roaming around. He said, I've been roaming around. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. And he said, no. It's because there is a hedge that you have put around Job. He says, no, you're most welcome to go and deal with him, but don't touch his soul. And the devil came in as sure as it is. And the first thing that happened today, there was a lightning. Stay with me. Stay with me. 
there was a lightning that struck and the fields bent. And while the seven had come to report that calamity, the next thing there was another seven that came in and said, the lightning struck, the children are dead, the animals are dead. It was like Job was having a bad luck. And Job didn't know what was happening. He only mastered one phrase, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken. If you ask Job, what are you, what are you talking about? He had no idea of what he was talking about. But it was a trial after trial after trial until even the friends turned their back on Job and said, listen, there's no way that you can be a believer and experience such calamity. There must be something that you have done because we know that we've got believers that think that when you worship, everything should go right. They forget that you are on the battle. And Job's friends were like that. Hallelujah. And immediately he was put on the ash heap. He was there alone and scratching because now he had sores all over his body. But while he was there, being disowned by the wife, being disowned by the friends, and everybody had been taken away, one morning Job was sitting there, and a vision broke out. And when a vision broke out, then he saw the Messiah before the Messiah came in the body of flesh. And uh, while they were sitting there, he was sitting there always complaining. But one morning a song changed. And Job says, now I know. Now I know. Do you see? He wasn't being told. Now I know. Now it's a personal experience. I know, I know my Redeemer liveth. Even though the skin worms can destroy this body, but yet in my flesh, I will see God. What happened to them? Job became an eyewitness. He knew what he was talking about. But God had to take him through the trial. But when he came on the other side, Job knew and knew that I know, I know my Redeemer liveth and I shall see him. And Job is an eyewitness as we speak right now. What about the Hebrew children? When they refused to bow down to the image that the beast that the king had created, they say, even if our God does not deliver us from the fire, we will not worship this image. Believers are not worshiping because God does something. They worship because they have a relationship. Even when God does nothing, they are still worshiping God. I know there are people that bargain with God. You do this, I will do that. If you don't do it, I will not do it. You're not a real child. My child can never come to me and say, you buy me clothes, or I am no longer my father. Or you buy clothes, then you are my father. I will know and ask Sister Mariba, this one. Where does he come from? My children, even when they've got tattered clothes, they will still, still come to me and say, Daddy, how are you? It's not based on what he can do for them, for me. It's based on a relationship. They know that the blood that runs through their veins is my blood. Irrespective of the status, they still say, Daddy. And that's what confuses the devil. Some of you, you are lacking, but he, makes, he sees you coming to church. says, why are you worshiping God while you are still in the condition that you are in? Tell the devil, I've got a relationship with God. It's not based on what he can do for me. It's based on the relationship that I have with him. 
and the Hebrew children were taken and thrown into the fire. Brother Brenham says in the very same message, I, the witness, he says, when they were planning to throw them into the fire, in heaven, there was a commotion going on. Hallelujah. He says, well, here, you know, they came to consult with them. When one of them said, brethren, you don't need to die over nothing. The king doesn't require much. You just need to bend down your knee. It's not much. Then you can go back and worship your God and go back to your church. They said, no, even bending a little, that's that we shall never do. Hallelujah. And the fire came. And the, kafa, the intensity of the fire was multiplied seven times. Until if you came close to the fire, without getting into the fire, the fire would burn you. But in heaven, there was another meeting going on. Hallelujah. Gabriel said to God, as you see what is happening down there. God said, wait a minute, I know what is happening. And the angel that destroyed the the earth during the time of Noah said, you know, you know, I can spray the earth with, with water. And in no minute, that fire will be gone. God said, wait a minute. Brother Brown said he was waiting for their first step into the fire. And when they came there, I don't know what they were singing. Maybe they were singing onward Christian soldiers. And they were busy pushing them with the, with, with the, with the wood. And I would say, onward, Christian soldier. These were eyewitnesses. They were willing to die for their testimony. They knew what they were talking about. They had seen that God and they knew who they were worshipping. And when they threw them into the fire, they came into the fire. I don't know what they were wearing, but their shoes never got burdened. And they began to have a fellowship. God bless you. Right in the fire. And the Lord himself, the fourth man, the Lord himself, came down in the fire. And they had a fellowship in the fire. How are you, my children? It is wonderful. Hallelujah. Maybe it was was a winter day night. And God just allowed the fire to warm them. Not to burn them, to warm them. And say, hey, it feels good. Hallelujah. And when Nebuchadnezzar came, he thought you would would smell a human flesh burning. But he didn't smell anything. Even the fire never smelled. Hallelujah. What was happening? God was in the fire. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked, he said, I see. How many men did we throw into the fire? I see one that looks unto the son of God. Melchizedek was in the fire. The same one that Abraham met. The same one that Moses met was now in the fire. And there was a fellowship going on. One day they said, Daniel. You are in trouble with the king. And they took him and threw him into the lion's den. Hallelujah. They made sure that those lions were hungry. And when they threw him into the lion's den, when he landed there, 
these lions, they were related with the lions that once saw Adam. And this man was related to Adam. And this one, they look and say, ah, is the brother to brother Adam. Our grandfather lions never ate Adam. We are not going to eat his son. We're going to have a fellowship. And they became like cats. When they came to look, Daniel was sleeping on a lion. Meditating on the word of God. What made the lion never to eat Daniel? God came into the lion's den. And I've got a, how many believe our report? That same God that opened the Red Sea. That same God that was in the Hebrew children in the fire. That same God that was with Daniel in the lion's den. Right now, 25 to 12, here in the building, that same God is in the building right now. Hallelujah. Do you see him? He's in the building right now. And if you are sick this morning, he can touch your cancer and make it to dissolve. If you've got a trial, he will end your trial. He's in the building right now. Are we together? Brother Branham says, in the very same message, witness, if we knew positionally who you were and what you are this morning, there wouldn't be a feeble person in here in the next five minutes. The thing of it, you are looking off into a millennium for something to happen. When it's already here. Now we are the sons of God. Not we will be. We are right now. When? This morning. This minute we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And if you only recognize that. And the supreme authority that Jesus Christ has given to every believer. The supreme authority authority it's a daily it's not your authority he delegated it to you how are we together a brother was telling me and said I had a a daughter that that was sick I knew I didn't have the medical aid I didn't have the money to take the the baby to the doctor it was me and the mother and the daughter sick in a shack. In the middle of the night, the temperature was rising. And you know when the temperature begins to rise, a baby will have fits. And she began to experience fits. The pastor was not there. The church was not there. The doctor was not there. No access to any help whatsoever. And he said, all I did was just to take the baby and walked out 
and I was just choking as I was walking out. And I said, God, I don't have any means for this situation. But you are still God in this situation. Amen. And it says, as I was moving, I did not realize because I was caught up in the moment when I looked at the baby. The baby was now asleep. When I, uh, I checked the temperature, it was normal. Then I took the baby into the bed and the matter was closed. That is the God that we are speaking about. When you come to your wit ends, he is right there. How many have got testimonies in the building? I see some, your heart, your, your body cannot contain your heart. You are bubbling and say, only if he knew. Only if he knew what I had been through. I am a witness this morning. Then it says, right now, this minute, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, if we would only recognize that and the supreme authority that Jesus Christ has given to every believer. I still want to come back to the same issue of the authority. Brother Brennan says there is a difference between power and authority. He says, we don't have God's power. We've got God's authority. Are we together? It's not our power, it's God's power. But through our authority. And he explains it in this way. He says, when you see a traffic cop, maybe on the N4, and there is a, 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 a horse and trailer that is coming. Hallelujah. And these traffic cops have got, very, got confidence. Because the South African ones, they hide behind the tree. You don't even see him. It's only when he jumps onto the road, you realize, hey, there he is. Then you need to apply your brakes. Amen. Amen. So they were, he could be hiding under the tree with a speed camera. But as that horse and trailer comes and it overspeeds, he jumps onto the road. And he signals for that horse and trailer to stop. You look at the man, petite in stature. You look at the horse and trailer, really a big truck, running with an overwhelming speed. But he knows, I've got the authority. By the power of the government that has appointed me, that no matter how he is in a hurry, he must stop. And he jumps there and he says, he's not even afraid that you'll be run over. No, he knows that that man, he's, he's, if, if he knows the law, he's subject to my authority. And you will see the horse and trailer will really, he will apply his brakes and stop. And I'm saying in the same manner, a demon can be released from the pit of hell. And it can come with an overwhelming speed in your family or into your life. But you've got the authority to step and say, David, you are not going to go further than you have gone. Stop right there because you've got the authority. And the devil is obligated to respect your authority. 
And this morning I say, whatever is bothering you, in the name of Jesus Christ, activate God's agent to the Holy Spirit and say, David, no further than this. You know the brother Bram says, even the weakest of weakest of believers, when they begin to go down on their knees, the demons say they tremble. Don't wait until you are a deacon or you are a pastor. Don't wait until you are in a millennium. Right where you are sitting, you've got the authority to bring the devil under your subjection. And he says, anything, anything, folks, anything you have a desire of or need of, one thing you have to do is ask and receive it. Anything. I'm told of a Zimbabwean widow. She was struggling. She didn't have means of transport. And she prayed a prayer. Say, God, I need a car. I need a car to go to church. I need a car to take my kids to school. I need a car. She prayed about it. Got an inspiration. Identified a dealership. Walked in and said, where is the dealer principal? The manager. I showed her the manager's office. She went into the manager's office. Sir, I'm here to collect my two cars. <laughs> Have you bought them, madam? I didn't bring them. I've spoken to God about it. I need my two cars. The manager phoned to the dealer owner. You've got a visitor, but be warned. She doesn't seem like she's in the right state of mind. She's yet claiming that she needs her two cars, and she didn't pay any of those cars. When the dealer owner came, the, old, the, the woman said, I'm here to take my two cars. Have you bought them, ma'am? No, I haven't bought them. I've spoken to God about the Lord showed me this dealership to come and take them. And the dealer owner looked at the old lady, went into the office, spoke to the manager, had a quick meeting with the manager, and the two cars, the six cars, cars, keys, were brought to the woman. There's your cars. She drove out and got one of her child to come and take the second one. I'm not talking about a theory here. She said, these are the two cars who are showing us. What happened? Ask, you shall receive. But, 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 but you, you know why some of you are even struggling to clap? You think, oh, what? No wonder you will not receive. That how is the one that makes you not to receive. Sometimes when you exercise faith, you lose your mind. You, you, you cannot exercise your faith and look normal. No, 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 no. 
faith doesn't work in the realm of sanity. It works. Brother Branham says when you've got faith, you are bordering between the line of insanity and sanity. And that's why some of you are struggling. And while you are struggling, she's enjoying driving her car to the service. Too much education kills faith sometimes. Because education, amen. Business people in here, they know. Those that are educated, they struggle to open a business. Because before they open, they say, have you done SWOT analysis? (laughs) No, I'm done with SWOT analysis. Yo, have you done risk assessment? <laughs> you offense ten years analyzing that, analyzing that, analyzing that. Ah, I mean, too much analysis leads to paralysis. Yes, but he that did not go to school, he just wakes up and says, Me, I know I won't survive. I'm looking for a spot to sell fake cakes. This is where I'll start. This is where I'll put my stove. Hallelujah. I will stand. But the one that comes educated, before he puts there, he waits there. How many cars pass here by me? By me? <laughs> the world knowledge is meant to make us to have less of faith. I don't say don't go to school. But go to school, but be a step ahead of the David. When you are taught this way, you say, I know it is this way, but I will apply it that way. You must be one step ahead. Even faith works more among the people that are not sophisticated. Where there are no medical aids. Right there in the bundes, in the rural areas. That is where the goggles will understand you. When you say Gogo, uh, a, a woman called me when I was in Zimbabwe. I was amazed. Amazed. She came to me and said, Pastor, I think on my way to church there was a sound in my car. I don't know what it is. Can you come and lay hands on my car? Oh, I said, if it was home, we would have going to call Brother Gumete and said, Do you understand cars? There's, there's a problem there. And out of respect for the woman's faith, I laid hands on the car. I said, Lord Jesus Christ, you are the best mechanic that I know. This woman believes that you are the best mechanic. May you fix the car. And when I said amen, she said, Pastor, God bless you. My car won't give me a problem anymore. And she drove away. Last time when I was there, she said, you must come to my house. I've got a testimony about the time you prayed for my car. There are believers that believe God is a mechanic. While you are struggling whether God exists or not, others believe he's a mechanic. (laughs) They are there in the spoken word. A refrigerator of Brother Branham's mother-in-law was broken. And she said, you need to pray for the refrigerator. And they prayed for the refrigerator. And it was fixed. 
God can fix a refrigerator. God can fix a microwave. God can fix a car. God can fix a body. God can fix everything. There's a song that we used to love singing. He's everything to me. He's everything to me. We used to say he's my mother, my father. But today, he's my mechanic. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Friday night, on, around 4 o'clock, the criminals broke. They cut my electric fence. They the back, took it off. But I'm amazed. They take off my electric fence. But they don't come into my house. They go into my neighbor's house. My neighbor wakes me up at 4 o'clock. Hey, hey, there are too many in your yard. I said, oh, okay. Then I come out. Then I say, yeah, they've destroyed the fence, you see. My neighbor, you need to fix it today. You need to fix it. Because he looked, I was so relaxed. But I was wondering, they broke my electric fence. They jumped into my yard, moved through my yard, jumped there. But they didn't come to my house. And he woke up because he trusted his gun. He was looking for them with the gun. And they jumped and ran away. When I saw that, I said, maybe they must have jumped in with the intention of coming. And they realized that, "Mm mm-mm. I don't think they saw the pillar of fire. They just saw my house and lost interest. God just made them to lose interest. And said, we will go into the neighbor's house. I'm simply saying, when we are asleep, when we are asleep, he washes over us. He washes over us. Amen. You, you remember there was a time, the other time they broke into my house, 2010. I was supposed to, to preach at Beachwood. They broke into my house. But uh, I really love those two criminals. I really love them. Amen. Because, Brasbu, they came, we, we had, a, we had a, a, a DVD player that was no longer working. We had put it into the visitor's room on a nice stand. And an amplifier that was not working, put it there. A screen that was not working, put it there. For decoration, you know. (laughs) Now, when they broke into the house, they came through the window of what we decorated. And they they took that stuff. (laughs) And ran. We only saw with the traces because they broke the window. We saw with the traces of blood as they were jumping the wall. Amen. Then when I came there, I was with you, Brambanya. We realized that ah, they took the stuff that is not working. <laughs> then uh, I've got to report to my insurance company. I said, hey, guys, they took the stuff at my house. This is what they took. This is what they took. This is what they took. <laughs> they are mine. Whether they were not working or not working, they are mine. <laughs> They are mine. 
And the insurance said, Mr. Mariba, don't worry. We have loaded so much money. Go at such and such shop to go and fetch your stuff. I said, those two criminals, what a visitation. Sometimes when something happens to us, before you cry with us, check first, are you really crying? Because I may not be crying, I may be rejoicing that that thing was broken now, I've got the one that is broken, not broken. And uh, I've got a much better DVD. Blu-ray. Amen. I've learned that when somebody says something happened, don't cry first. Just say, what the law, what happened here, what do you think it means? You'll see some people smiling and say, yeah, it is a blessing in disguise. I was struggling, I didn't know how, but God has sorted it out. Are we together? So what does it mean? Everything worketh for good to them that love the Lord. And folks, I've got a challenge. I've got a challenge. I would rather struggle in life knowing that God is there than to struggle in life not knowing that he's not, he's, he's not there. Are we together? That's why somebody says, I'd rather live my life believing that there is a heaven and only to find that there is none than to live my life thinking that there is no heaven only to find that there is. And when you come to the matters of faith, it's about risk. And I believe that for you to do anything in life, it does not matter whether you believe or you don't believe. You need to believe. When you have a child, you need to believe that my child will be raised and become a responsible person. It's based on what you believe. When a farmer, no matter he can be a drunkard, but when he, 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 he spreads that seed and plants that seed, because farmers, they will plant close to six million under the soil and sleep at night that that six million that I planted will come back. That, that requires a certain degree of faith to do that. So what more if you believe in God? Amen. Are we together? Amen. So they say, whatever you need, whatever you desire, the only thing you have to do is ask and receive it. And whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, it will be given unto you. Hallelujah. He repeats that. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, that means you desire, then you pray, then you believe, then you receive. You can't receive without desiring. And sometimes the devil knows the power of desire. And he can pervert your desire. You know that there are people that believe that nothing will work out for them. 
it isn't them. They say, even if you say, you pay a compliment to them, they say, oh, it's not a big deal. I know it won't last. There are such people. And what they desire happens until he comes and says, I told you. He buys a car. You say, hey, this car is beautiful. He says, my car always gets involved in an accident. And when it gets involved, he says, I told you. No, you believed that. Then it happened. You've got to change how you believe. You've got to change your desires. And how do you change them? You've got to pray. Then you will receive appropriate stuff. But that same God is here. God bless you, Rachel. Let's stand to our feet. I'm redeemed. I am redeemed.
the song that says, Neighbors are so kind. I love them so dearly. But where could I go? But to the Lord. Let's check if they've got it up there on the screen. There we go. Living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation called, Where could I go? But to the Lord. That's what Peter asked.
Uh, I was looking. They say the cases of mental illness have skyrocketed in recent times. And mental illness, folks, is real. And when we speak about mental illness, we're not speaking about where you have lost your mind admitted in a psychiatric ward. We are simply meaning depression. Depression. Yes. It's a mental illness. And depression doesn't care who you are, what your status, doesn't care whether you're a prophet or a pastor. No one is immune from it. But when you are depressed, where could you go? Where could you go? But to the Lord. And sometimes, just a prayer meeting can reboot your, reboot your thoughts. Just a prayer meeting can reboot your emotional well-being. Are we together, folks? We... Do you see there's a pressure that is rising because of retrenchments, because of the economy? But folks, in the midst of a collapsing economy, we don't need an employer. We need the Lord to run to. That's why we can sing, there is a precious hiding place in Jesus' sight. Amen. How many have ever experienced depression in the building? It is real, folks. It's a, it's Brother Branham says when he saw the depression demon, it was like, like a cloud hanging over the people. And sometimes depression, you just have, you just don't look. If you struggle to get out of bed and you're always sleepy, because you are tired, there's something that may be going on. But this Lord that I'm speaking about, He can realign your thought process. He can realign how you are thinking. And that is why I say, we've got the Lord to run to. Amen. Brother Brenham saw a young man that came to church. And he said, young man, there is a spirit of suicide upon you. But in the name of Jesus Christ, Yes. I've cast out that demon. And we say right here, if there is any demon that is bothering you, that is tormenting you under this atmosphere, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come against every demon in the building and we dislodge the devil from his place and set you free in the name of Jesus Christ. Believest thou this? There is a precious hiding place in Jesus' sight. Thereafter, we are going to wrap up in prayer. I'd like us all to pray. If you don't pray for yourself, pray for somebody. There must be somebody in your heart. There must be some person that you observed at the distance and you saw that goodness. They need a prayer. It's the right time, wherever you are, to offer a prayer for such individual or for yourself or for your children, but there's a lot that we can pray about. There is a precious hiding place. 
I know through this prayer the miracles will happen. I know through this prayer there will be great testimony. May you respond to the call of your people, O God. They are here, O God. They are crying out to you, O God. They sang a song. Where could we go? But to the Lord. And this morning we want to come to the Lord and plead our cases and express our desires and express our needs. You said you will do it, Father, when we are asking your name. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we are asking our God. And Lord, the scripture says, Your children cannot ask for bread and you give them snake. Oh God, I know you'll be able to respond to the call of your children. You are the heavenly father. You are a caring God. We are here because you created us. We are who we are because of the ways that you brought in the end time. And I know you hear this. May you move in a special way. May you touch those that are sick and afflicted. May you heal them, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, David, you have been a spartan in the lives of the children of God. But at this point in time, we are saving you with a notice. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have no legal right to be on their property. You have got no legal right to be on their lives. You have got no legal right to be there in their bodies. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are you, David, to leave and never come back ever again. If there are those that are sick, if there are those that have got sins that they've committed, may you forgive them, O God. May you bring a new experience, O God. May you reignite the desire for your way to God. That is our desire. We know even in our, in our houses, the devil has got plans to mess up with our children. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I say, David, you are a liar. You cannot do it. We've got the authority, a delegated authority from the Almighty God. May you move out of the children's life. May you move out of our family. May you move out of our houses. You are a liar, father of lies. We don't want to have any association with you. We are praying, praying for their jobs of God, the places of work where demons are there, crawling around. But in the name of Jesus Christ, we have an authority to send prayer to their places of work. And if there may be problems there, may you resolve them in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Father, knowing that you are a capable God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jehovah. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
bit of Tamil with the eyes closed. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we are very much thankful. We are very much thankful for your protection, for your protection, for your grace and mercy. For your grace and mercy. We realize, we realize we are who we are. Wanted us to be witnesses. We are ready to be witnesses. We want to bear a record of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. May you make us victorious. May you make us prosperous. May you lead us. Pray for our children. Pray for our children. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our spiritual well-being. Pray for our spiritual well-being. We need you, Lord. We need your leadership. We need your leadership. We need your guidance. We need your guidance. And David, you have no right. In our children's lives. You have no right. In our marriages. You have no right in our houses. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we instruct you to leave our places. Because we are the seed of Abraham. And by faith, we will defeat you. And by faith, we will defeat your angels. May you make our week to be a victorious week. Until such time we meet, we ask all these things in the most powerful name. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. blessed week if the devil tries something say there is a prayer behind my life God bless you richly Amen I don't know is there just a, a song, worshipping song that we and, and if you want to remain where you are and just talk to the Lord you are most welcome we will play nice sweetly music Amen God bless you richly don't forget, we are still having a, con a December convention. We are just meeting, meeting as the board this afternoon to finalize a few things. Amen. God bless you, Rachel. Let's, let's just give us a nice, any worshiping song. God bless you, Rachel.
Yes. I have never seen Unpleasant. your typo. 